Keep your hands and head inside the vehicle at all times. Buckle your seatbelts, check your mirrors, sit on back and relax. It's lights out and away we go for the Tall and Short of It podcast. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast. I'm your host, Justin. And I'm Aaron. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Justin, very good to see you on this uh, cold Wednesday night for a pretty fun episode. We've got uh, a little uh, prequel to the F1 race this weekend, the Mexican Grand Prix. Uh, we've got two great semifinal series that all uh, went to full five games or both went to full five games. Uh, and then we've got some Magic the Gathering that we're going to talk about towards the end. Um, yeah, Justin, how's your week been? uh yeah big time looking forward to the show good to see you too sir uh happy to see anybody listening now my week's been pretty good i've got a lot to talk about um if you want to get right into the rose thorn seed we can do that sir sure absolutely so um first before we do that i do want to give a shout out to uh, a couple people that have been listening consistently uh, Shane and Colleen, uh, we we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, and then I think my buddy Luke also might be uh, checking in periodically, and also that's pretty cool as well. So if what's you up, are, Luke? How's it going? Um, but yeah, I my rose thorn and seed for this week. Uh, my rose is that this coming weekend. Uh, Colleen and I planned a do nothing weekend, which is going to be great. We intend like. Every weekend, I feel like for the past couple months, we've had something going on. So we were like, we just wanted a weekend that we could relax. Like, if we want to go out or do something, we can, but we're not obligated. We don't have any like set in stone plans for anything. Um, So I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, We're probably just going to hang out, cook food, watch some movies and like, relax which uh is much needed right now so um so yeah not too bad for a rose uh my thorn is that i am kind of tired and a little worn out so i i do need that weekend this week's been a little bit tiring between uh my one co-worker is just a lot um and we are dog sitting right now. So the, the pup has a ton of energy. Um, and being in a place that he hasn't been before and around people that he hasn't really been around before, I think he was uh, having a tough time adjusting for a bit. Um, gotcha. That's tough. Yeah. So uh, that kind of gave some issues earlier in the week so i'm definitely ready for the weekend at all um but that's mostly it's just being kind of tired worn worn down a little bit so sure, yeah, to, will do that man yeah so hoping to get uh some of that energy back after this weekend at all um nice. and then my seed is that um i colleen and i have started to do a little bit of planning for the holidays and all trying to figure out like uh who and where and what we'll be doing um, during the holidays and like going places and all for family, which is kind of cool. Um, It's also nice that we're on the same page of like, we don't have to do absolutely everything. We can kind of like try and fit 
uh, a lot of stuff in and everything and spend time with each other's families and all. Um, but we don't have to like just jam pack tons and tons of stuff in. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, yeah, coming up relatively soon. It's starting to get nice. cold out. So, yeah, the chilly weather has been, um, yeah, definitely a thorn. It's not the thorn, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, not a fun one. We actually just took the ACs out today, um, uh, out from the window just cause like it's man, it's chilly. Oh yeah. Put the, uh, you know, the little cover up on the one at the office. Cause it like, you know, cold, cold air just creeps through. So yeah, we're batting down the hatches. That's for sure for the cold weather, but yeah, man, yeah. I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to your staycation weekend. That's pretty sick. Um, now do you think you and Colleen are going to check out the race at all? Uh, most likely, um, oh, yeah. there's the only thing that might be like interrupt watching it live and all is a friend of a friend is having an Eagles tailgate. Um, I don't know exactly what time they play on Sunday. So that's the only thing that might shake that up Um, really. But otherwise um, I'm hoping to be firmly planted on the couch. And also if it's like cold and bad weather, I probably won't want to go anyway. And we'll want to just stay in cozy and warm. So uh, oh, yeah. so yeah, definitely looking to, to watch the race this weekend. So we'll see if I can watch it live or catch a, a replay. So nice. That's what's up. Yeah. On the note of, um, tailgating, Ian had invited, well, we were talking about a camping trip and I, uh, part of me was like dude it's cold it's cold and that underpinning reason and a couple others i was like ah yeah i'm let's let's go a little earlier in the season next time because i was like "Uh -uh, uh uh-uh that's tough but yeah man dude a lot to talk about for my rose thorn seed here i'm like i'm i'm actually i'm super excited to get into it so let me start with let me start with my i'll start with my thorn because it's it's an interesting one so i was invited by jeremy and josh now these individuals are always changing the game they're like you and ranked in, in league and this is where i'm going with it they're changing games all the time they're playing different things and they invited me the one night it was after something it was after something and I was actively like not doing anything. So I was like, literally I could have just been like pacing in the room here, like not doing anything. He messages me and goes, Hey, you want to play some league of legends or no? He said, Hey man, we've been getting into some league of legends. We should play sometime. And I said something, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty cool game. I don't have it installed right now. And he's like, oh, we just started this game. You know, if you want to get in on the next one. And I would have loved in that moment to have an, like a good excuse is like, oh, why I can't do this. I had no appointments. My shit was done. Like I literally just, I, w- I was free and available. Yeah. So what did You're I do? I'm not going to lie to him. Or like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not going to lie to him. I'm not going to duck out. Like, fuck it what's a couple games with the boys a couple games with the boys was like the worst idea i ever had because they just started playing 
I misunderstood how early in the process it was. Mm. I thought and- you meant that they had just like started playing that night. Like, like as in like, oh, like we just hopped on. Not like we haven't played this game before. That's kind of what I thought as well. I was like, oh, cool. Like they're just getting into it. So like me downloading this will not be a waste where we'll get one game in and then they're hopping off. Right. But they were like, they were level, they were, they were low level. I'm not even sure they had flash yet, brother. And, and I was like, Oh no, 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 no. And like, it was, we were having fun and laughing and blah, blah, blah. But it did get to a point where it was like, go next. Is there like a champion that we, that I can just plug and play to just like get victories? And me and this, me and uh, this, uh, the, the other kid we were playing with, we're trying to explain to him like, dude, the, like, this the learning curve is massive here the learning curve is massive here and like just i won't go into the depths of it but just like you know and it was just a tough time being in that position again of like being with somebody relearning that or like learning that game and i was like damn 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 crazy i can't i can't even imagine like looking back at when i first started playing how atrocious i was and that was when the learning curve was was much much smaller you didn't have all these different dragons and a rift herald uh, way less champions or like oh fucking like 70 champions or less probably when i started playing um it was it was insane and so like even then it was a lot but to for someone i mean have they played like dota before or anything like that or i I think they had and there was there was this element of they were like oh this champion is just like oh it's just that but like i mean just just because it's the same skill set like that doesn't that doesn't inform you about what their role in this game is how to play like it was yeah, it it was it was a lot, man. It was it was a lot, and well, I, I that I, turning from like, oh, let's just have fun for a couple of games to like coaching sessions of like how to actually play is a very different thing than what your uh, uh, expectation was going into it. Right, and yeah, 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 all of that. So like, it was it was. I'll say this. I'll just think I'll think about that next time, you know, I'm in I'm invited and I may um just go read a book or something cuz yeah, that was it was it was tough. But that was that was a just kind of like a a funny thorn moving on. So, I have my magic collection totally fucking organized, brother. So, this is nice. Rose and Seed it all together so i had a bunch of boxes of like commons uncommons bulk rares that weren't in commander decks i was never gonna play with and them just sitting around for many reasons just kind of made me feel bad and i was looking around for ways 
to offload them, looking on, um, you know, some of the online vent, like the big online vendors, like TCG player and this and that. And as I understood it, you need a lot of cards before it even like pays for the shipping and handling, right? Yeah. So I went way outside of my comfort zone and I just fucking put an ad on Craigslist. And I said, I've got 4,000 magic cards. I want $5 a thousand. Come and get them. Right. And literally within less than an hour, one guy messaged me. And then the following morning, another guy messaged me. The second guy was serious about the offer, came, met me, 20 bucks in my pocket, took all of my cards. Literally no questions asked. He didn't look through them. He didn't know nothing. And then on top of that, he was like, hey, if you have any more, reach out, let me know. And I was like, word. So, you know, Ian and Jason and Brett, if they're ever needing to offload bulk, eh, there is something to go. So that's yeah. that's the seed of it. So I thought that's that was awesome. really cool. That's and very then, cool. Yeah. And then it's the organization side of it where I pared down so much. I went through... I went through all of my commander decks, and if I had a foil copy of a card that was in a deck, I pulled out the normal copy, that's bulk, put the foil one in, you know, the prettier, cooler looking one, and then, so I shifted around all the cards in my binders, I organized, just like really like got rid of stuff, and now it my collection is super tight, it's all logged, I know exactly what's there, I got rid of all the shit that I'm not using, I feel... I feel 10 pounds lighter, my friend. You probably are about 10 pounds of cardboard lighter. Like <laughs> yeah, Seriously, like it's really more. a good feeling. 4,000 yeah. cards probably weighs more than 10 pounds. Yeah, so that was uh, that was really cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy for that guy. And I, I hope that um, we can, you know, we can have like a, a bit of a, a little relationship in, in that way. Cause yeah, it was, it was sweet. Um, Are you curious at all what he's doing with all those cards? Ba so my guess is two things. He's either a vendor of himself. Like he, he seemed like he, he seemed like the kind of dude that'd be willing to like post up at like flea markets and stuff. It seems mm. like he may be that kind of a dude where he'll like pull collections together, make bags of a thousand cards and sell them for 10 bucks. Right. And just, you know, compile them from everywhere. Or he also had the impression, and this is just like judging on looks, whatever. I, I I didn't ask. Maybe in the future I will. But just based on what I what I glean from the guy, it's either some kind of vendor store owner type guy, or he has like four kids. Because the oh. car he was driving, the car he was driving, not saying that it was dirty or anything, but it told me that he may be moving a lot of people around. So that'd probably be a really good way to get all of his kids involved into the game in a super cheap manner, but also just like having a lot of cards to like choose and pick and play from without having to spend like big dollars. I mean, he got 4,000 cards for 20 bucks and plus. Yeah, that's true. You know, so my guess is it's one of those two things. Interesting. Okay. Hey, yeah. if that second one's the case, that's pretty awesome that he like is hopefully getting uh like some people really interested in a pretty cool game and everything um so i think that's that's pretty sick um 
Yeah, it was uh, it was super dope, and it was the kind of interaction that if anybody asks, I'd be like, Craigslist, it's the way to go. I'm the I'm the biggest fan because like uh, the, the the overall experience was so smooth. It went so well. Both parties got exactly what they wanted. Um, so yeah, it was just it was just really good stuff. But that's my rose thorn seed for the week, my friend. We've got some interesting stuff to get into now for the Mexican Grand Prix coming up. We don't have, you know, a lot of information. Obviously, we have a super close title fight coming, but everybody knows that. Now, absolutely. What are you most excited for for the Mexican Grand Prix coming up here? Um, I think honestly the the biggest thing is the fact that I think Mexico is going to have a really cool energy about it for uh the race and everything. Um, I mean, we have all of these uh like things going on there's the build-up of the title fight um we're later in the season like there's not many races left it's the only race in mexico so like and mexico seems to be a, a pretty have a pretty decent f1 fan base uh size wise it's checo's home race like there's just a lot of uh cool things that are going to be going on this weekend um so i'm just very much looking forward to kind of all the excitement the buzz um around everything seeing how things shake out and all um i think it should be a pretty pretty cool race weekend and a lot of fun so yeah i would definitely agree and it's exciting for it's exciting you mentioned it being sergio perez's home race where being that he is in the Red Bull, being that his pace has been so strong recently, there, I'm I'm not sure there's an outside chance that we see Sergio on the podium for his uh, for his home race. I think that'd be really cool. That would be awesome. Uh, like I don't think it's extremely common for. Um, I mean, just with so few drivers, so few races all for drivers to to win or podium at their home race. I mean, mm-hmm. I uh, was showing Colleen the first episode of Drive to Survive last night, actually, because I wanted to like just give periodically we can watch an episode so she gets a little better understanding of like the sport and all. Um, so maybe she'll be a little bit more um, intrigued by it to to have more interest i mean i'm not sure if she wants to but either way um it's nice that she's checking it out but they were talking uh in the broadcast like the fake broadcast messages that they have in it uh about danny ricardo at the home race in australia and how there had never wait fake radio broadcast messages oh yeah the drive to survive a lot of the little like things that they have like announcers saying during the episode when there's not actually racing going on are just like sound bites that they made up to tie together a narrative and like recorded there. They sound as if they're coming from like a commentator or like a radio message kind of thing sometimes. But yeah, they're like a lot of them are, made up for like specifically to kind of build the narrative give some extra background that maybe is in the way that for the episode well or even just like what they're trying to like the very first episode they're trying to like teach people a little bit about the the background of formula one and all and things like that um so it was 
Um, yeah, so sense, they've so. yeah, so like not everything uh, that they would need bite wise uh, can just be clipped and pulled from broadcasts. So right. they they have have to throw some stuff in, but they kind of weave it in as though it is like actual commentary from like the pre race or like the race weekend or things like that. So okay so like if crofty says something that would line up they could use that but what you're saying is if there's like on track footage of cars with the like overlaid broadcast as though they've clipped in footage from the race that you would have seen that broadcast is recorded in post and then overlaid as though like because this is what we're trying to tell. Because in the race, they were showing this, but this is what we want to show and talk about. Right. And if they didn't have commentators, it would just be like footage of cars on the track, and that's not as interesting as footage of the race. Yeah, or like even a lot of it's uh, also in the scenes that are clipped around, like not of actual races, where it's like right. Danny Ricardo walking through the, like paddock and everything but like dirt like on saturday before qualifying and they're like oh and danny ricardo like just uh enveloping him in the race weekend in his home like country like we'll see if he's able to pull out uh, a win and blah 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 blah. and like they're like this like background but it just the the like audio mix and everything just makes it seem as though it's like actual commentary like it sounds pretty pretty accurate to and like sound wise and just like what they're saying well they obviously do a fucking good job because i had no clue like that that was genuine surprise on my face of like Oh shit. Oh oh okay. I mean, yeah, like I understand I I totally get that they would do that and yeah, that's that's crazy, but I did not know that. That's uh yeah. that's, that's funny. Well, it's cool, but like I think one of those broadcast messages from that episode is like the them talking and like the it's possible that it was a conversation piece during the actual broadcast, but it's like a clipped in like thing and it's talking about oh, like no Australian has classified top three at their home race ever right. and like, like things they like might that. not have said that on the day but yeah. it was the mclaren drive to survive episode right it was like the intro and red bull since it's season one danny ricks right. is still with red bull so so he, all right so to go back now you were talking about you were talking about watching drive to survive with colleen how do you get somebody into something that they're like that it's not like in their wheelhouse like what what does she like that you could say like oh well there's this element of f1 like oh check this out like does she does she like pants you could say well you know lewis hamilton he's got pretty cool pants you know, and then that's like the way in. Well, you know, um, so you don't have to like drown her in it. You just like offer it to her in a drink that she likes the taste of already. It's more for her, I think. A like she 
likes doing something or doing things like with me and enjoys like learning what I'm like interested in. And I like me the same with her. I like hearing about like what's going on with her work and like what she's doing and her friends and things like that, that are like, that's like her world a little bit more. So I think it's mostly a desire to kind of like get to know it more so that like, I can talk to her about it and she'll like have some understanding if she like sits down to watch a race or anything like that. Um, Just increasing exposure as it were. Yeah. And she's done the same thing with like sports, like uh, watching Eagles games or going to the Phillies or things like that. Um, She like, she would watch them like before, but really like, if she missed it, she didn't really care. Whereas like I watch the Eagles pretty religiously weekly and everything. Um, Like I want to get to some hockey games this year. I enjoy going out to the Phillies game. It's like a nice night out in the summer kind of thing. Um, And her, she told me when we first started dating that her uh, like family would probably be like, tell me that she hates sports and she doesn't want to watch them. She's like, no, I just didn't want to watch them with them. Like I enjoy watching them with you because like we'll sit there and we'll like chat during things and all. And we're not, um, we're not just like sitting there intently watching uh, every little bit to know. Like we, we watch together at the TV when she doesn't go your way. Exactly. But it's like a nice way that she's like, this is something that I do. And like, I like, I want to watch the F1 races when they're on like 23 weekends a year is a, is a decent chunk of, uh, of time. But, uh, the fact that like, I want to watch that, I want to watch the Eagles, things like that. She's like, he's going to be spending time doing this stuff. So I might as well like learn enough about it to like hang and, uh, and everything and and enjoy it to whatever extent she, she might too. So. Yeah, um, for sure. And especially when eventually me and you are going to be like paid to be at the races effectively, we're going to be gone. How, like we're you know we'll be we'll be away every every weekend we'll be with the traveling circus recording live on track that's that's the dream we just have to put it out into the universe aaron yeah i've got it on my vision board it's just off camera nice so. nice i have i have two vision boards just to make sure nice you gotta have mm. a backup yeah so. yep gotta um, have a backup go ahead but yeah like so i think it's i think it's a little similar to like when you got sarah into playing a little bit of magic here and there and everything it's like same kind of thing it was something that you're very interested in and like talk about and spend time doing so i'm sure she was uh like some part of it probably interested because it's a cool game but also on like another part interested in just like being able to like talk to you or understand what you're talking about or like spend time with you doing something like that you enjoy and all. So that's a, it's, it's cool. Yeah. And that, and yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That was exactly kind of the place, but I guess, you know, my, uh, I was asking in the sense of, I, 
I'm not sure in, you know, thinking about league and teaching and, you know, showing, showing people different sides of us that are like outside their wheelhouse. I, maybe there's a way where you can like always do it better where for Sarah, maybe I could have found the angle that she would have enjoyed better. Like maybe like I was coming at it from a purely like gameplay perspective like whoa look at this cool game look at the way we can like play against each other look at the fun ways you can like make these cards interact where maybe the angle would have been dude look at the art i love this artist i love this style oh look at what they do here and then through the portal of the art then it's like oh well how do you actually play with these cards and then you can get into it so i'm i'm just saying i think uh there's always you know there when bringing someone into the fold you have to think about what what their predispositions are and their palate and try and like hit that flavor for them in the new world yeah that makes sense right yeah Yeah, absolutely i'm not saying you did it poorly with colleen just thinking out loud about how one brings another one into the fold oh absolutely no there's definitely it's like knowledge of the person um to just like intrigue them with it in the first place and all there has to be like some sort of reason that someone wants to get into something so like in the case of like sarah or colleen like it's very easy for like them to have the reason of like you or me to like want to learn something that we enjoy but someone who's maybe not in that situation where you're trying to be like oh like League of Legends is a super fun game to play. You can have five like of your friends playing together and everything. You can sell. stay up till 4 a.m. on a weeknight and then get three hours of sleep because you just needed that one last win. Um, and all and maybe one of those little things will just catch someone. <laughs> It for sure called them that's for sure it did um but yeah i think there's uh there's definitely i get what you mean completely about like there's different angles and everything i mean maybe i I don't know maybe it's not about me maybe it's the fact that i showed her the uh lewis hamilton song with christina aguilera and yeah, she's just waiting for the mixtape to drop, dude. Now she's waiting till we get big so that she can meet Lewis because she she's dude. just going to be like, great voice, man. Even like, all right, but big. OK, so what's the dude's name from. The other. Um, uh, it, it doesn't matter. There's another individual that is would there's another individual that would have started just like we are and he has been involved in some of the broadcasts Mm. so my question is has even somebody like him met lewis hamilton in any like meaningful capacity um 
I feel like probably somewhat because I think he may have press credentials to okay. like be involved with that at all. Um, plus, he's done at this point. He's done some like announcing and and like commentary for esports races and things like right. that. Right. So I think uh, I would not be surprised if he is bumped into. Lewis, but there's also the same at the same time i feel as though there are certain drivers that probably when they're around the paddock and everything they really just do not interact with anyone other than their like handler their agent their significant other family who are there and their team and mm-hmm. they don't like they go to driver interviews because they have to. Right. It's like a obligation in their contract or whatever. But other than that, they're just like headphones in, like sunglasses on, like just giving off don't talk to me kind of vibes. Oh, yeah. Super I, unapproachable. Yeah. I can see like Kimmy being like that. I can see Lewis being like that. I can mm. see Max being like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a number of drivers that I'm like, like I wouldn't be surprised if Seb Vettel's a little like that. But I think at this point, since he's just been around so long, he probably has plenty of people that he's just like saying hey to around the sure, paddock when he sees sure. them at all. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely some people that I just imagine being like locked in, like mm-hmm. and not wanting any outside like noise. But you get the premise, like, there's even a world where, like, okay, so we get, okay, so we get to, to a race in some capacity. Yeah. That doesn't mean we're even, like, within 100 meters of any of the drivers. Like, oh, yeah. all right, so then, then the next year we're at a race and we figure out a way to get an interview with the assistant to the tire gun uh plugger inner guy and we're like fuck yeah we're still like nowhere close to a driver or like any anybody important right so i i guess what i mean is like it, it even in a world where we do make those steps it would be a bad bet for her to try and use us to get close to lewis hamilton it's the long con, man. It's the long con. And I guess in that, I would have to respect it. Yeah. yeah like, for sure. Down the line, <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. The Damn. possibility is, like, open in my mind. <laughs> oh, it's it's very open in my mind. I don't know. He may be on to fashion by the time we get to a track in, like, a meaningful capacity like that. Yeah, but you know, maybe if he is like F one something or other for Mercedes, maybe we could get a um, what's your what's your favorite fucking fabric interview with with the guy? Anyway, Mexican yeah. Grand Prix coming up this weekend. I'm hyped. Oh, it should be a good one. Um, and yeah, like we said, it, the race is tight at the end of the season. Only a few races to go, uh, so it really should be a fun, exciting time. So before we move on. Can I just get into, I just want to talk briefly about what may, what may lead to us seeing a different Mexican Grand Prix than we saw in 2019. Yeah. So, and I'm not going to get like 
too deep in the weeds, but I want to point out one key difference and one like big similarity. So the big similarity we have was Valtteri was within, I think he needed to keep a gap, uh, like keep within a gap of 78 points at the end of the Mexican Grand Prix to stay within the championship. Depending on what happened in the race, Lewis could have sealed it up that day. He did gotcha. not. Valtteri finished P3 to keep himself in the championship. I say that's a similarity in the sense that, like we had mentioned before, we are coming into we are coming into like a very, very tight driver and constructor championship where a lot of these positions are up for grabs. So I thought that was an interesting similarity. And then the big difference that I think we're gonna see is in maybe the tire strategy so mm. what we saw in 2019 were uh, the tire strategies and tire issues kind of told the story of the whole race like that was the story of the race couple drivers on two stops couple drivers having um like problems in the pit lane specifically i believe it was Giovinazzi and leclerc who leclerc started on pole due to max's engine issues so there was a lot going on that put different drivers in contention for p1 at different times in the race but what i think was going on were temperatures were really high that weekend leading to high deg punctures a lot of crazy things going on so I use all of that to say I think the difference here is going to be that with we talked about at the beginning temperatures being so low and dropping we're having frost in the morning we may see a much colder Mexican Grand Prix than we saw in 2019 to the degree that I'm not so sure the most recent data that they have is going to be very useful so I think some of this race is going to be decided in that in that fp3 and that qualifying scenarios where they're really going to find out like oh we're doing one stops we're going mediums to hards like i truly think it's going to be a very different race than we saw in 2019 for some of those reasons yeah i would definitely agree i just looked up the weather expectations for the weekend um and they're looking at like low 70s uh temperature wise so that's definitely going to be cool enough that uh there shouldn't really be too many issues that are like hot weather related right. um like we kind of ran into a little bit at the u.s grand prix this year mm. um so yeah i think there's gonna be um i'm not sure what the expectation is but i think a lot of teams will probably be trying to get uh some longer um like uh race pace test runs during like fp2 or fp1 to try and get a better idea of like or, or even sending just one driver to do that and like to get the the data on the tires and the wear and everything yeah. um so i really wouldn't be shocked to see a decent bit of that earlier on in the weekend to to give a better idea so but yeah, those were those were interesting things that came up when looking at the race from, you know, uh, from last time and looking ahead this weekend. Um, but yeah, were there were there any other elements you wanted to hit before we moved on? No, I think uh, the only thing is it's just interesting um, looking at the 
what you're saying with the uh, drivers' championship with Lewis and uh, Valtteri a couple of years ago, yeah. like this year, uh, this is our fifth to last race, and the the gap between first and second is only twelve points. Mm-hmm. Like pretty much without any catastrophic like damage to either driver, the soonest that really the championship would be potentially more than it more than a race out of reach would be like the second to last race. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it was just crazy. Yeah. Like the fact that it could go down uh, to the wire down to the last races, I think is wild. So this could have a, a huge impact on that, uh, especially if Lewis comes out and has a, a really good weekend. Um that that could really shake things up or just continue to push this uh who is going to win the driver's championship this year keep pushing that out to to wait to see so and what's fascinating i'm 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 sure you've heard this before and i think a lot about it i think a lot about it so here we are setting up like the culmination of the season, 12-point spread, Max and Lewis. Look at 2019. Valtteri was so close. Here we are setting up all this context. Michael Jordan said about losing, I've never lost any games. I just ran out of time. And you know Lewis and Max would think in the exact same way in the final race, if it came down to it, Sure, the disappointment, oh, you wanted to win. There's a lot of that, but you know when they were asked the question, it's, yeah, we're just looking ahead to next year, see what we can do to improve. Oh, the rules changes are going to bring... Like, you know that's where their head would be at anyway, and it has that vibe of, we want Max to overcome the Goliath that is Lewis and Mercedes, right? But even if he doesn't, I am confident that Max is the type of driver, like Michael Jordan was the type of basketball player, to say, I didn't lose that championship, I just ran out of races, right? And then it's on to the next year, focus on the next thing, oh, the 2022 car is going to be better. So even, even, no matter, I'm saying this to say, no matter what happens at the end of this season, it has been the type of performance from both of them that I think sets us up for just even better racing in the future. And maybe not just from them. I think it's, I think it's the kind of racing that seems to be leveling up the whole field around them. Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree. Um, because like there, there's a, a bar and those two guys are at it. And so now people have to start, start catching up. Right. Um, it's definitely it's fun to watch um it's exciting to watch and i i agree i think that the attitudes that we'll see from uh whichever guy ends up coming out in in p2 i think that will um be really interesting to kind of see if uh if you're right on the money with interviews and things like that i I would not be surprised at all to see both of them act that way uh, or either of them act that way, I guess. 
So yeah, and like you know, we we clown Lewis and we give him such a hard time as though he was like our best friend or something. But the at, at the end of the day, the bottom line, I think he is a sportsmanlike competitor, and I I'm I'm pretty sure that yeah, he would have he would have kind words and nothing you know ill to say, but just just on to the next one. Hey man, we didn't get him this time. We'll get him. You know, we have another yeah. chance. Oh, absolutely. And like on yeah, that same note of like we talk a lot of trash on Lewis. He's a phenomenal driver. It's just uh And just a good person like for the world to be alive. Like uh, to he, be alive he right is now. is like a good dude, yeah. And like I Positive it's force. just so easy to uh kind of um rag on the sure. people who are like winning again and again and again like oh, it's yeah. it's like people who hated the patriots with bill belichick and tom brady like i'm not a fan of tom brady i don't like the guy but like you have to respect it and he has like he's definitely a good person like he's brought other players back into the nfl who had had some like serious issues on teams that they were with before and like just all sorts of things like that like you see tom brady just like rounding out people to be just like more decent people when he's around them and like i yeah lewis is definitely one of those guys he's just so damn good that you have to kind of be a little annoyed and and like rag on him a little bit because you're like he wins everything i can't just keep hyping him up too like right i can't just like hop on the the lewis like train and just go and like lewis is like you gotta you gotta knock him down to more my level <laughs> oh oh 100 but yeah so. i agree just just looking forward to this race and you know like we said the culmination culmination of the season um but yeah those are those are my thoughts and yeah my, michael jordan you don't lose yeah. games you just run out of time it's a, a good way to segue on uh running out of time from that segment into the big point of this episode the league yep. of legends world championship semifinals but 10 game weekend and before we get to that i would be remiss to not talk about the north american lcs <laughs> but i just wanted to to briefly like bring up and and get your thoughts on the whole bjergsen leaving tsm coaching staff and all to uh look to compete and sign to a team this coming season for the LCS, uh, or I believe LEC he's open to as well. Um, so he's looking at, uh, rejoining as a player again. Um, so definitely an interesting thing. I'm not sure how much you had seen about it or if you had looked much at it. Um, but I think it's just interesting that he sat out for a year and he was like, you know what? Like he, it wasn't like a double lift. Like I need to take a break or anything like that. He was like full on retired in Mm -hmm. a coaching position and all. And now he's like, nah, I'm, I got that itch. I don't know what it would be, but maybe it was, Maybe it was something about like not being able to coach the team well enough to get a win. Maybe he feels like he's got to be, you know, in the seat. Um, there is 
always a concern for the comeback. You know, obviously you're never, they're never going to be what they were. So I think the expectations around him should obviously be, uh, reserved. I think, um, you know, I'd be impressed if he comes back strong. Um, and I have to say, I think Bjergsen is probably one of my favorite players historically. Um, so yeah, I would love to watch him play again, hopefully in good form. I don't even care if he's in like, like, like playoff Bjergsen form, but just be good. Please don't be shit. Don't come back and just like be a Poe Belter. Cause like you should have just learned how to make street tacos, right? Like, cause that's that's the other side of the coin. And this is where I'm very critical. This is where I'm very critical. Dude, get out the game, bro. Just go do fucking something else. There's a million things in the world. And there's millions of dollars in his bank account. Right. So there is something about the like you just like you're watching worlds you watch north america fail you didn't make it the context is such that one might be led to believe that these are decisions not made with the clearest intentions but that's not for me to decide you know that's not for me to decide like i don't know it doesn't really matter i just think there's there's something interesting about, like you had said, the like full retire, go to coaching staff, and then it's like, oh, no, I yeah, play. like I just, I think from that point, like just being like, okay, like maybe coaching didn't work out. Hey, I'm a part owner of TSM. Like, let me just sit back, let them do that, and like you said, just figure out on that. Start we'll figure a club out something team you, with yeah. you, pole belter Scara. Just go play. Start ranked A Rams, dude. Like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Like, is that, is that like, is that like, hmm. All right. I'll say this, though. I'll say this as devil's advocate to my own point. I probably, if you go back and listen to the episode, I probably said the same dumb shit about Fernando Alonso. And now here I am, practically just on my knees in front of the guy, like, oh, oh rookie of the year, dude. He's so good. So, like, that easily could be me, too. So, uh, what the fuck do I know, man? But then, Michael Jordan, the other guy that I was just quoting, he came back and it was like, girl, you should have stayed home, sir. Yeah, there there are a number of times that athletes have come back from retirement. And, uh, like, I think I may have said it when he first announced his retirement, but I'm Fairly certain I said something to the effect of, I hope he stays retired because I think too many people, I think I referenced like Dominic Hoshik and Brett Favre. If, if I'm mm. remembering this in the, the right context that that was about Bjergsen, um, but that I felt as though he shouldn't come back and potentially tarnish his legacy. Yeah. That's, being the, that's like, the concern not as good or not uh just not uh, like up to his previous standard so i just i thought that was interesting um also jack from cloud nine the owner uh or i guess 
co-owner manager uh, tweeted out like that I thought was interesting. He said, after last year, I've learned to be careful about sharing roster information early, but I'd like to clarify one false rumor. I'm certain the roster will not include any of the following people, Bjergsen, Mickey X from G2, and Han Sama. He said they're all incredible players but won't be joining C9. And so I guess with all of the perks stuff last year and just like all the rumor mill swir- swirling around and all, uh, I thought that was interesting that he was just like, oh, I learned that like roster rumors can really like – uh, put some egg on your face kind of thing. Like, I'm just going to avoid getting involved in these roster rumors at all and just focus on everything that we, like, plan to do kind of thing. Is there something in... I don't hmm. this is what's weird about CEOs and people like that on Twitter like what the decisions you should make decisions for the team that you believe are going to that you believe are like gonna be the best roster moves there's something about like, oh, it's not going to be these people. And so everybody then is going to pile on and be like, oh, I hope it's this person. Get this person, this person, this person, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, bro, like just pick the best player, not who all these fucking 10 year olds think should be, you know, dude, dude, power of evil would look sick in cloud nine colors, dude. Like that's not analysis, man. And yeah. but that's that's what these CEOs would get on Twitter. Right. So I'm 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 partial to just like zip yeah, it up. I I do understand that side of it, but I think that the rumors swirl and people get like start looking too deep into things. These ten year olds are like, oh my god, Han Sama followed Vulcan on Twitter, and now like they are they have to play together. The Han Sama is coming to NA and shit like that. And so when things like that happen, it can get your actual real fan base that really just is looking to root for your team and hope that they do the best, like riled up and upset about, Oh, you didn't get this player. You didn't get that player. And so instead just in the, like coming out being like, Hey, maybe it's because they look at the team and they're like, Sven Vulcan and perks are on two year contracts or have another year in their contract. And we're very happy with how their performance was and everything. So those positions aren't changing. So we won't be getting Mickey X Han Sama or uh, Bjergsen because those three roles are already filled like on the team. So I, I think there's, it's just uh interesting to see him kind of coming out just to try and squash stuff before anything gets like out of hand. But, um, but yeah, I just, I found that pretty interesting and kind of, kind of odd. Cause I feel like I haven't really seen that before. 
I mean, dude has an interesting history of tweets and Reddit posts, but like that's just what you get from these dudes like spending time in those places. It's like, yeah, why? Uh, I don't know, man. So, but yeah, uh, some roster moves I'm sure will be happening shortly after Worlds and all, uh, but. We do but not have, Han Sama to Cloud Nine. We know that, and we do have some actual World Championship stuff to talk about, uh, which typically does not include North America. So we can we can move right along to not in the semifinals. Definitely not in the semifinals. But uh, the first match, Damwon versus T One. Um, I guess what stood out to you or, or hit me with some of your points from that. Like what it was a crazy exciting series. Um, I enjoyed watching through uh, as much as I was able to, and then going back and, and rewatching some stuff. So it, well, we had predicted a three, one to Dom Juan and it went to all five games. So there's something to be said about like T one's resilience. I think they played, um obviously one game better in some way than than we thought they would so i i enjoyed that aspect of it that t1 was so competitive um what was fascinating about the games is i had heard a i heard an an analyst talk uh, an analyst whom i respect very much talk about how faker may be the worst mid laner in the semifinals now that's a fair point to make. There's four of them. At this point, we're talking about the four best in the world. Obviously, somebody has to be at the bottom of that if you're going to rank them. And so let's let's operate with that notion that Faker was the worst one in the semis, the worst mid laner. In games four and five, the ones that Dom Juan came back in to win the series it was the focus of Canyon and Showmaker in the mid lane, focusing down Faker and keeping him off gold, keeping him under his turret, and that really opened up the map. So I would just like to say on that point that even not being the best in his role, it's clear that he is still a significant linchpin where if he is not able to deal that consistent damage out in these fights, T1 really suffers even in a game when Caria, Guma, Kana, and their mid laner are all playing exceptionally well, but it's when Faker got held down that T1 really struggled, which is just like, I don't know if is if that's a critique against the T1 playstyle, if that's a if that's a an accolade for Don Juan where it's like they knew what they had to do to come back in the series. And maybe it's all just this big gumbo of that's Korean league of legends right there. But uh, it was, it was a super exciting series to watch and it was fun seeing the teams go back and forth. It truly was a, a chess match in that way where T1 had the Lissandra into the LeBlanc pick that went really well. Canna had some insane team fights where the Kennen was huge. So I think both teams played the series really well. T1 had an advantage in game five. 
Faker was just a bit behind. So like it was not over by any of the by any stretch of the imagination at any point in the series. And from a from a Faker fan, a T1 fan, just a good League of Legends fan, that was a phenomenal series. It was so much fun. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. I completely agree, and I think that that's gonna. It'll be interesting to see at whatever point that Faker does decide to retire to kind of see what T1 does in that situation. Um, I mean, obviously, we've got uh, some really young, talented players with Owner and Guma. Like they are, they're rookies. They're phenomenal. Like just talents and everything so if they can become like uh kind of some steadfast long-term players it for t1 um then with or without faker i think they still uh could be a, a really good team um well yeah run that back you have you have rookies making it to the semis of worlds alongside these five games right like they are i i can imagine that skill ceiling is is a little bit higher i think we're gonna see i think we're gonna see good things from those players moving forward yeah and i mean coming off of a a world championship for damwon where uh i mean they have the same roster pretty much that they had last year like i think a maybe a couple of people shifted around uh it's it's the same roster well it's the same roster i think it's more like the um what's it called uh no or top lane switched con and nuggery right oh yeah nuggery went to gen g who does he play for now he was playing for um, Hanwha Life, I believe. Mm, nope. Morgan was Hanwha's top oh, laner. F- FPX. FPX, thank you. Yes, he is uh, Chinese. Yes. So or a ch- on a Chinese team. Right. So, um, like, Damon basically being like, hey, let's run it back, but picking up, in my opinion, a better top laner. Um, like that matchup for T1 to be that close, that speaks like very highly to their coaching, their team, like their, their player cohesion, all of those things. But I do also have to give huge credit to, to Damwon because they were down two to one in the series. They were on like back to the wall. What like, what happens when you put pressure on these guys? Are they going to crack or are they going to come out? And they come out and stomp T1 in game four. Like 18 kills to one. Showmaker doing stupid things on LeBlanc. Mm-hmm. 11-0-3. Completely shutting Faker down. Uh, like just actually just completely shutting all of T1 down yeah. um, in that game. And it was um, just incredible to see them bounce back like that and i feel like that kind of put t1 on the back foot for game five like if it was a tight game four and uh damon just managed to to sneak it out i think there might be a little bit of a difference in uh game five in terms of what t1 decides to play um 
like what their mental is. Not that, I mean, they still competed. It was a super close game five. So I don't think they were like broken and just like after game four, we're like, oh, we lost. But yeah. like you see Faker going back to the Azir, which I don't think like he's played pretty well on, but I don't think it's been his best champion this world championships. Um, you see like just a bit more comfort and like almost uh, I like trying too hard in the pick and ban like the zillion did work in game three but I don't know if that was the the best option when you're facing such a poke heavy um and like bursty team like i think going with someone who could be more of a front line for t1 might have been a better option who knows but i think if that game four is closer that they probably don't draft uh exactly the way that they did um looking for kind of um a little bit of comfort i i think that they kind of fell back to that a little bit with the uh the picks for game five. Well, okay. Looking back, looking back over the pick and bands, T1 would have had no reason to believe that Showmaker was picking Zoe. The last player before. The last player before him to play it was picked red side by Gen G. So, and then the next time it was picked wasn't even by Dom Juan. The last time they played it was, it looks like it was forever ago. So, if T1 was doing the research, planning for a best of five, that Zoe pick would have come out of nowhere. It wasn't a focus of the series. Nobody touched it. Nobody played it. It was it was it was barely an afterthought in some of these other series too. So I think that was a big, big like just like not point of failure because how could they have seen it coming? But like just a like big a chess move by dude, by Damwon to pull that master stroke from Damwon, and then yeah. so not only do they not only do they get that like like bam surprise because that is that is last pick on red side. Damwon saw the whole comp and showmaker said, "Give me the Zoe." And he fucking delivered. He was nailing bubbles. Those paddle stars were insane. He was doing so much damage. So from like, from a, from a, like, bring it out of, bring it out of the games and like up to a series. Think about the tournament as a whole. Teams doing research, looking back. Unless they, unless they would have seen him practicing it in solo queue. From a competitive standpoint, there's nothing that would have told T1 that he was picking that champion in game five. Yeah, no, I definitely get that point. Um, and and looking at I the pick and that's what lost them the game. No, no, but looking at that again, like I still, um, I still am not thrilled with the the zillion pick and everything. Like I know it can be impactful in later game team fights with the ultimate sure. and everything, but like, oh, yeah. I mean, just looking at Kyria's top played champions uh, compared to. 
um, other supports who are uh, at the World Championship. I mean, he only had his top three played champions were Enchanters. Um, it's uh, what we have. Where I lost him. We have Lulu. Well, I guess Thresh, but Thresh is getting banned out like in every game. So Lulu, Thresh, and Zillion. Um, like pretty much every other uh, support, like their top person is like Leona, Rel, Rakan. Like there's a little bit of Nami thrown in, but those players who have like an enchanter have like the Leona and Thresh is like up up there on their plate. Mako is the only other person really that it's like all enchanters pretty much as the their top played with uh Nami, Yumi, and Lulu. Mm-hmm. So like Lulu and um and the Zillion I just don't think are are phenomenal options. Um but I, I think that's like what he's comfortable or maybe better at playing. Um, so the comfort picks actually kind of hurt them here where they weren't playing maybe the most optimal thing. Yeah, and I, sure. I think the like I'm the Azir is another one that I I'm just like Faker's good on it and he can like like he can make big plays, mm-hmm. but I don't like relying on like a good Sharima shuffle or something like that to to win a game necessarily. I think there are better um, champions that that he's good on that can have like a, a big impact like that without the risk of being as squishy um, and like having to utilize abilities to to really move around quickly and all to mm-hmm. to get your engage off and everything like i yeah I, I don't think it's a terrible team comp i think they just fell back onto some comfort uh and i think that's probably due to just getting like stomped out in game four like let's just wipe that and like go to something that we feel good yeah no i i i I totally would agree with that, but I we we probably missed the we probably missed the actual angle for Bjergsen. We totally totally whiffed right over it. He saw T one playing Zillion, and he's like, "I'm back, baby. My champion's playable." Yeah, you never know. Maybe he'll get picked up uh, as the new support for T one next year. Beer- that would be sick. Bjergsen and Faker just out there. Balling out in Korea, zillion support every single game. That um, sounds like a powerhouse lineup, actually. You would just need just 2v5 Faker and Bjergsen. They could play yeah. the whole game. But yeah. Exactly. So um yeah, I I was very impressed with uh Damwon and T1, but especially mm-hmm. Damwon just coming back to to pull that out. Um uh, make it to back-to-back finals in the world championships. Is that something that's happened before? I do not I, believe it has been defended. I feel um, like every... Ah, T1 did it nah, back to back. T1 did. So, I mean, this is also, like we said, this could potentially be, um, like, to some extent, the start of a, a new era or another team. I think for so long, like... 
we've watched and looked at it and just said, damn, like, how is it pot or like it doesn't seem possible for anyone to catch up to to T1's three world champion uh three world championships that they already have like well that's that was that was what we thought last week as well but and this is what I didn't fucking realize dude Gen G was bought by Samsung. They're effectively like the same organization. So if Gen G won this year, Sam Samsung, the the you know whoever the people at the top are, they would have had three. They would have tied them. Interesting. Yeah, I I didn't realize that either. Um, Neither did I. I totally missed that. In like you know you think of like roster changes and whatever, but you also have to think of like you know, oh, like team orgs changing and stuff. Oh, but it's effectively just, they just got bought out or like, you know, whatever. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. Um, I, I guess the, his history of like the team is still the same, but I almost look at that as like being the same like spot. Like I don't think of NA like I think of it as being more of a spot in the league as opposed to like the same organization. I guess like I don't see um I would tend to agree with you. Like, yeah. Like I don't think of um I don't know fly quests or no that's a bad example whoever bought lmq's spot when riot was like yeah you can't have a full five-man team of like it's not that they bought the spot they bought the they bought like samsung is now gen g it's not that samsung was out and gen g came into their spot they are gotcha some got absorbed into gen g now I might agree with you that well, Genji's like it's even though it got even though Samsung got absorbed into it. I don't know if you absorb those championships too. That was like different players, different time. But I just say that to say I imagine if it went that way, I think the narrative would have been oh the Samsung, the quote unquote Samsung org matches T1. I have a feeling that's how they would do it on the broadcast. We don't know because that's not how it's going to go. But that was just a point that I missed last time where they were absorbed there are like the same you know it's like the same kind of thing yeah and i guess that makes sense too just in terms of like there are so many teams that have gone through iterations of name changes and things like that as money has changed in uh esports and all i mean like even looking at like there are very few teams that have stayed like consistently the same like throughout like fanatic is one that like but even tsm has gone through all these iterations of tsm snapdragon and tsm this and tsm ftx and like Mm -hmm. all that stuff where like uh samsung was samsung white and they also had samsung blue and then they became samsung galaxy and now they're like gen g um or same thing with like royal club to starhorn royal club to rng like those are all um like this has happened so much i think due to how young and like the influx of money into the sport and everything that has changed a lot of that Mm -hmm. naming stuff so yeah i I can imagine that they would have 
gone the same way with that for Gen G. Um, if they would have made it to the finals, potentially, uh, which spoiler alert, the next series we're talking about, we'll get there. So, yeah, just to, yeah, just like keep it in mind and for, for the future, just to keep eyes. So like when, cause, cause part of this was to, you know, learn about these international teams and it's like, well, that's uh, now we know that's something to keep our eye out for where, you know, are these orgs just changing names, changing this and that. Um, just to just to keep our eyes open, but yeah, we can use that as a great segue onto Gen G versus EDG. Um, yeah. We had predicted a three uh, three one for EDG, I believe, um, I so. and it went to uh, went to all five games. Now I'll ask you the question you asked me, sir. What were um, what were your impressions of the series? Um, personally, I I think that. EDG played a little bit better than the five game series ended up showing. Um, I think that the games that they lost, they were uh, like pretty tight in for an extended period of time, or I guess the mainly just game three. Um, They were extremely close in that game. Uh, It was kind of balanced there. Uh, multiple times that it could have swung either way, uh, even at the end of the game, super close in gold, pretty close in kills. Um, and I think they had some good opportunities uh, with the Dragon Soul and everything in that game to potentially pull that out and go up to one right there. Um, but uh, Genji did play uh, pretty well, play a little bit better. Uh, I think then I had expected Rascal looked really, really good on the Renekton when he was playing it. Um, I was pretty impressed by him um, in in that game three. And then uh, like game game five, he really it, that was just kind of a, a similar to like game four in the T1 Damwon. It was just pretty, pretty dominated from start to finish uh, just from EDG's side for that. So um i i was really also impressed by viper throughout the series he he was kind of my standout the man is just uh, he's he's so good um big big oozy vibes like yeah and like big forgiven vibes like he was positioning the dashing in like just with the the like lulu and everything being able to just like go in there like shields speed boost on the jinx and everything even though they lost that game like he was positioning so well putting himself in the spots to do a ton of damage not afraid to dash in or dash like uh play aggressively on the lucian in the games that he was on that like i was i was just very very impressed yeah yeah similar and like what was crazy it's it takes two to tango where Mako was right there with him all the time giving him the buff ups and playing like so close together that they really were like a dominant force in that series and i think a big reason why edg won um and it was like from a from a fan of that role specifically it was that was a master class of like how to just how to play lucian nami like 
that it, that was insanely insanely strong performance and then you take it outside of that like there was there was bdd on his zoe you had um you had rise being like super pivotal on both sides i think there was a i think there was a lot of fun stuff in this series as well yeah and i think the mid lane matchup was uh, like really really fun to watch um i feel like um bdd and scout are are like up there i i can definitely see like you said where faker could be uh the fourth best mid laner here because they both looked really really good on a number of different champions and i really i think something that was cool and will be interesting to see in the finals is just the these teams are they're playing different styles they're playing different champions than uh like dom one or t1 were playing like they are like Gen G was breaking out the Seraphine, breaking out the Gwen. EDG played the Gwen a little bit. That we saw that I think maybe once in the T1 Damon series. If at, yeah or no, we didn't see that at all in that series. So like the the Gwen coming out, Seraphine, um, seeing the Lucian Nami paired up and making it through like the pick ban multiple times yeah, like why why wasn't at least one half banned because like, then they wouldn't pick the other half like why wouldn't you just ban it yeah like they they got to play it three different times um and then even on uh viper on the gin in the last game like he like his positioning he was in the right spots he was getting good ultimates off he was like being able to set himself up in a spot where he's like okay like the rest of the team can be over there going in and my leona can be on top of their team but I'm in a position where I can get all four bullets of my ult off. I, he wasn't ever really in danger of like someone uh, flanking him, blowing him up on the back line, and them losing the team fight. Like he was putting himself in good spots to put out damage and just like be um, the carry that that they need him to be for that team. Um, so I was just like. Viper was a huge standout. Scout looked really good too, though. Like I, him versus Showmaker is going to be a like fun mid lane matchup to watch as well. I think that they both are are very very good, um, and I I expect that to be like a lot of uh, back and forth. Maybe seeing the Zoe pick and the Rise picks being taken away from each other and whatnot. Um, so it, it'll be a good matchup uh there as well yeah and it was interesting to see um like a very different flavor where we have the red side azir lulu as well um and that was a game that genji did lose so like we have another example of it that like that may not be the strongest comp right now maybe lulu may not be the strongest enchanter um so yeah just a lot of details to think about going into the Juan edg matchup um that's also another like just team comp that doesn't have like a tank really for it um i mean you're sitting there with graves viego azir misfortune and lulu like you're Mm -hmm you're not gonna have someone who can tank out some of the crazy like zoe damage like the zoe it just can blow people up so easily and all um so it's one of those things that i'm just not super 
like I'm just not a big fan of that that comp and everything. But um, but yeah, like Genji fought out uh, and played played a really really tough series. Um, but I think going forward, um, I hope EDG can pick up a game in the finals. Um, I, I've seen a lot of commentators and analysts and people like that just as soon as the EDG Genji series ended being like, and congrats to Damwon on the 3-0 in finals and everything. I don't know if uh, if I am likely to, to go that far with it, but I think my biggest concern... Um, for EDG going into the finals is the the jungle matchup and mm-hmm. kind of uh, that um, potential gap between the teams. Um, I mean, Gigi played Jarvin all five games of the series. Like the Genji was not concerned about taking the Jarvin away. They he played it all five games. It's like it can do well but it also like it's really team reliant and then you're up against canyon who was the mvp of last year's world championship finals canyon looked phenomenal putting pressure on during the t1 series um beating owner around the map in a lot of instances just like really being impactful and impacting the game on a number of different champions. Um, I mean, he was on the Lee Sin, the Zin Zhao, the Jarvin, like uh, Kiana, and then the Talon. Like, he played a different jungler every single one of those five games uh, mm-hmm. compared to, to Gigi on the, the Jarvin, all five. So. Well, it was EDG played Jarvin uh, in the last game. It looks like he was on, JJ was on, Xin Zhao. Oh, my mistake. No. No, Clid was on Xin Zhao. Am I, is this, am I losing my mind? Blue side in the last game was Xin Zhao. Red side was Jarvin. EDG was red side. They picked Jarvin with Jin. Am I looking at... What am I looking at? Zin. Wait. I thought you said that GG played Xin Zhao. That was blue side pick. You're right. And then blue okay, you were right. I got the teams yeah, flipped. Okay. Yeah. I was Dude, like, these I was columns like, these I, columns um, fuck with my eyes so much. Hold on. I'll I, let me I'm gonna send you a quick this is what I'm looking at that's helped me to like keep it a little more straight because that like you can open it up to each of the games individually. Um okay. so like I'm at the bottom looking at all the uh games and like the match uh scoreboards okay. on. Okay, so, very cool. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. So you're seeing a, but, a clearer picture than I am. Okay. But yeah, no, you were you were definitely right. He did play okay. he did play all five games. That was that was a dumb sidebar, sorry. No, all good. It happens. 
but uh but yeah like that's pretty like that's just a huge difference i i think gg played well on the jarvin and all but like holy fucking better (laughs) but at the same time going into that final series against damwon like if they ban out the jarvin does he look comfortable on anything else like there were like it it is very much a comfort pick for him and like if you take that one thing away like i don't know um yeah there's a lot of lease in too they could easily just ban that there's a lot of they yeah uh pick ban wise that is a big detriment yeah and so i think that that's going to be interesting because like it is so different they both played very very well in their series like uh in each of their series but Mm -hmm. the the way that they went about it and playing different styles was like just very very different um coming from them there so well uh looking at past uh grand finals it is a lot of three o's three ones um so just based on that, yeah, three three oh three one is a is a fine prediction to make. I think overall the meme in place of analysis like isn't that impressive to me. Um, like it's- I was disappointed to see all of that too. Like whether you're thinking it or that's really what you believe or not, I was I was a bit disappointed. Yeah, like, uh, it, it, is there like no world you can imagine, no advantage that EDG has that they can that they can bring, uh, you know, even to you know, yeah, bring them to four games or or five games. But yeah, I hope for I hope for a silver scrapes in the finals on Saturday morning because both teams both teams look really strong in their victories. The losers look strong in their losses, which tells me hopefully. We have a bit of an even matchup here because both of these semis like really delivered. I think they were really fun for like big different reasons. Absolutely. And EDG like finally making it to a world finals and everything. Um, They have a number of players who like just haven't even gotten to, to play at worlds before. Like they they are coming out playing their best and they've made it to a final to the to the finals for the re, for a reason sorry can't yeah. slipped up there but um but yeah just in general like they they made it this far like they've got at least some shot to potentially uh pull it out and that would be i think really um huge for the LPL to to come into the quarterfinals um maybe a little bit uh unsure of how any of their teams might move forward and all mm-hmm. uh, only having RNG and EDG and they have to match up against each other in the quarterfinals like right. that's such a frustrating thing probably for the LPL and for their one of their teams to make it all the way to the finals and everything and have a shot um, mm-hmm. is super, super exciting um, to kind of just see how things uh, shake out. I I do think Damon will win uh, and, and defend their title, but I think that EDG uh, could definitely uh, pick up a game or two during the series. Um, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Um, I guess any more notes or points you wanted to hit before we uh, saunter on forward to some Magic the Gathering talk? 
No, I don't think so. I think we kind of hit all the, um, like, yeah, really all the big storylines, all the big points. Just super happy with how they played out. Um, lot of lot of meat there, and uh, yeah, I think some some big storylines could come out of the end of it. So just really looking forward to Saturday. Um, but yeah, we can uh, we can talk about some magic games here. We were playing we were playing some on Monday, and it was we had some super interesting things happen, Aaron. So if you'll indulge me here, oh, absolutely, I'm all for it. So first of all, and this is just sidebar, maybe like half of a seed, um, because of the selling off those cards, obviously came into a little bit of money. So I put an order in for cards. I linked you, I linked you an image of uh one of the cards up above my show notes. It's okay. Pro Titan of Nature's Wrath. And the version that you're seeing is the secret layer printing of it. Um so that's a sick looking card dude and it is it it i think will be the best card in my yarrick deck um which is um lost my train of thought uh yarrick is one of the decks that i have in my nine and it has historically struggled with like good draw effects um that are like like useful and within what he wants to be doing like um re or creating what am i saying dude doubling enter the battlefield effects so uro enters the battlefield draw a card put a land down gain three life you double that up like that's insane value um so so, uh, do you have a easy way to make that sort of like loop and everything in that deck to be able to continue to double up on that or multiple ways yes so the list is like focus on like putting things into my graveyard as a way of basically unlocking a second hand so that escape cost to exile the other five cards i'll be able to use that over and over and over again if he dies i've ways to sack my creatures get him into the graveyard rebuy him so i think he'll be able to be a just a big value focus for the deck um so i was really excited to get that um Nice. And, did that already come in or are you looking or you've ordered it and you're waiting on it just ordered it and i'm waiting on it it's just like an nice. exciting note and then i got some foil pieces for grum gully um which will turn it to just having like one iteration of each of the combo pieces i'll have like uh three or four copies of the combo so i can hopefully just kill the table easily really the generous yeah so each other non-human creature enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter so if you have a persist creature which says if this creature dies and it did not have a minus one minus one counter on it return it to the battlefield with a minus one minus one counter on it that plus one plus one counter that he puts on them negates it so they have Ah. effectively no counter so then you sack it again it comes back with a minus one minus one counter grum gully says no put a plus one plus one counter so if you have a sack outlet that like can kill the table it just you know it it just go it kills everybody gotcha okay yeah so I got a couple of foil pieces for that. I got an altar of dementia for the deck, which is super fucking sick. I love that card. Um, 
I don't. I it's my first copy of it, and it's down foil or non foil. It's non-foil, it's like okay. a ten dollar card or so. So the foil version would be a like lot ninety five. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it'd be that high, but more than I'd be willing to pay. Um. So yeah, just really excited for those couple things. But let's focus on the commander games because the deck that we're playing, Aloro Ageless Asketic. I think is the name, um, was like one of my first commander decks. It was basically an amalgamation of the blue-black guild kit and the white-black guild kit from a couple sets ago. It was just like, oh, look at all these cool cards. Just put them together. It's in the colors. And like they were sort of thematic, but like not really tied together. It was just like a bunch of rares that were just in those colors. And I've honed it. I've changed things, taken things out. But with the with the eyes of, oh, I'm getting rid of all of this bulk, I didn't feel bad taking cards out. Because mm. previously, it's if I take a card out, I want to find a place to put it, right? But now, right. if I'm offloading it, it doesn't matter. It's just another card in the box that he gets to have, right? So I yeah. was more comfortable making these swaps and looking and saying, oh, that's literally a 25-cent card. Like, okay, I... I I don't need that in the deck, nor do I need that for value. I don't want to play with it. Get it out of here. I could just a I could straight be, upgrade, like yeah. And I could be like, I could be like clinical with it. I could be like, nah, I don't need that shit. Nah, I don't need that shit. So I really was able to cut it down and hone it. And the showing that it presented on Monday was better than the deck has ever played before. I felt way more in control. I had options. I controlled the game. So it was like. It's been like my whole commander life of like working and trying to learn how this deck should be. Oh no. Oh no. We lost Aaron. Aaron's back. Sorry. That was very weird. I That's okay. think I just clicked something off. So damn, you just um, hung up on me, dude. We're, no, we're still recording. Right. We're good. Yeah. Mine. I probably lost a, a hot second of video, but it's all good. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so the games like the games went super well. Like like I talked about before, we were focusing just on the opening hands. I went to my second seven in both of the games, so I was like critical. I was like, "What does this hand do?" Da 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 da. So I I was um, a little more uh, intentional in that aspect of the game as well. Um, so all good things in that route and then and i just want to talk about this just mwah, of a play all right fallen shinobi okay three a blue and a black for a zombie ninja that has ninjutsu ninjutsu is an ability if you have an unblocked attacker you can pay that cost and like oh there's a ninja there now right um so he says fallen shinobi says He's a 5-4 body. Whenever Fallen Shinobi deals combat damage to a player, that player exiles the top two cards of their library. Until end of turn, you may play those cards without paying their mana cost. So you've paid effectively four mana for two cards off the top of your li- off the top of your opponent's deck. You're so you're like drawing two cards four mana that you can just cast right away. I got a nice setup on board where I was able to swing at Ian. Like, while he was pretty fucking set up, like, he had a really nice board state. 
I swung in with a flyer, got Ninjutsu, Fallen Shinobi, and now, and I'll explain this a little bit later, but Fallen Shinobi has a particular, particularly favorite place in my heart. So we Ninjutsu in, we hit him for combat damage, and we exile off the top of his library Contagion Engine and Casualties of War. Contagion Engine effectively wiped his board of creatures and gave me a way to proliferate counters on things his deck was trying to like do that same thing but i was able to turn it against him so big big hit there and then casualties of war which is like a bop 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 board wipe so you can hit enchantment artifact creature land and a planeswalker so i just like just fucking target missile strike like three of his things wiped his creatures out with his own cards and then a turn later was able to bop seal the deal and take him out of the game dude that card is such a fucking powerhouse fallen shinobi when it hits it is insane like there's easily a world where you know there's just two lands on top or like a fucking mana ramp or whatever but those were the exact right cards for the scenario. Scenario Like, he, Ian was literally in a position to win that game. And with effectively three cards, I flipped the whole thing on its head. I was like, this guy is insane. Yeah. And- or even in that, uh, like, position, even though he's not always going to, like, win you a game or, like, win you uh, a fight with someone else on the board that quickly, like... That's such a uh, like good card that whatever you pull has potential of at least like pushing the game out further to uh, like a later turn like finish or mm-hmm. to like maybe just do just enough to help you creep back in. Like there's a lot of potential that um, that helps you like get back in the game. Uh, whereas in this situation, it was a bit more extreme and kind of put you like in a position to just take him out with it was a haymaker that is is a huge huge fast like uh demise for someone who was in a good spot like it is not typically easy without your own setup combo i feel like to be able to just wipe someone who has like put themselves in a pretty good spot and everything at the very least they can defend themselves for a little while and kind of like hang in there but that is uh dude he had no no uh no quarter for that man it was it was it was pretty tough so that card fucking overperformed in that game that's awesome and it's uh, one of my one of the YouTubers that I watch, his name's Caleb Gannon. He does like Vintage Cube, and Fallen Shinobi is one of the cards that's in Vintage Cube. So like, so that's like zero mana artifacts, like uh, reanimation of like the biggest demons and angels and shit. Like it's a really powerful format, and Fallen Shinobi in his mind is one of the best cards in that draft environment so that like has to say something so so like seeing it in this in this game i was like dude this thing is just a house um so that was that was really like the main thing i wanted to talk about for for magic was just how impressed i was with that deck in the in 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 it being it felt like a culmination of a lot of games played and like a lot of 
tinkering done where a lot of the pieces really showed up and i i felt like damn this deck is like humming it was it was pretty cool yeah no that's awesome and uh like getting that and being able to play uh that deck for a couple of games um i know you said you got to play a third game on monday as well um and everything i don't know if you wanted to talk about that at all or any other have you gotten into any other games over the weekend or anything so the well Cass was just got beat down i think i would have had to i think i would have had to analyze my hand a little bit better at the time gotcha. it was like it was a start critical. or just like where at that point no nah, we were at like we were at like turn eight but Ian had to leave for work. So all of the plays had to be like, you either have them right now or kind of pass. And if I took a little bit more time on my turn, I'm not, I'm not blaming Ian. If I took a little bit more time on my turn, I think I would have seen a line to at least stop him on his turn. But at, at quick glance, I saw that I had the win next turn, but I didn't think of a way to like, I didn't think of what he's doing and should I try and keep going to put myself in a position to stop him? I limited myself of options because I, I guess we were trying to like help him get out the door. I'm not, he played really well and it, his setup I think was going to get him there anyway. There's no guarantee that I could have even found a way to stop him. You kind of um, so hail married it to try and and like yeah. left yourself open for yeah. yeah. So Which, that was, I mean that was a bit tough. That changes things. Like like you said, he could have won or but and like it might not have worked out for you anyway. But yeah, I get what you mean that you could have yeah. like if if you had taken more time with it on your on your own, like you could have maybe found a different way that things could be played and whatnot. So. Mm. But him getting to work on time is a is a much better thing. Yeah, um, definitely. But I will say we've been playing, we've been getting into the Divinity campaign like crazy. We've been like uh, getting a lot of sessions in, um, and that's going really well, really fun. I have um, maybe maybe this will be my thorn for next time. I have a a, a pretty funny story that I can tell you. Um, nice. But let's uh, let's end let's end this episode. Aaron, give me your flavor of the week. I want to hear about it here. Absolutely. Um, so for my flavor of the week for the food, um, it's actually something really simple. And like the other day I was just really tired. I had had like a long day, kind of rough day. And so I went over to Colleen's and she had made uh, spaghetti and meatballs um, and like with just some garlic bread like nice little layer cheese on top of the garlic bread and all um and that was like really really good that was on sunday halloween night um so uh, the other part of that that night uh we went over to her brother's place uh and kind of hung out with some of her family while her nieces were trick-or-treating and her um one of her family members like brought these little pumpkin cupcake things and they were just so good. They were like mini ones too. So I didn't feel that bad about eating them. Uh, so yeah, Sunday's Sunday's food was pretty clutch after I was just like not having a, a phenomenal day and pretty, pretty tired uh, and all. So 
that was my food. Um, for my music, Shane sent me a playlist of some fall music. I had sent him a Snapchat of listening to or it, it's not a, a playlist of fall music. It's a playlist of like country music. But I had sent him a Snapchat of me listening to like some folk or country on my way to work or something because uh, it was like a nice fall day out. And so he sent me this playlist and it's really like it's solid. It has a good mix of uh, different country and folk and things like that. Nice. Um, and so that it's on Spotify. It's called Tucker's CB Radio Playlist. So I don't know who this guy is, but he makes a pretty good playlist. So Sweet. Uh, yeah. Um, and then for my visual medium, uh, Colleen and I have been working our way through the Harry Potter movies. Um, I like I've seen all of them to like some extent. Uh, there are like a, a probably like four of them that I've definitely seen like all the way through, like start to finish. I know what all is going on, but this is my first time like watching them like kind of in order and actually watching the entirety of the movies. Most yep. of the time that I had seen like stuff, it was bits and pieces from like ABC's Harry Potter weekend where mm. you jump into the middle of like one of the movies at some point on a Saturday or Sunday right. and you're not doing anything and you're like, oh like I can just throw this on TV and like hang out. Um so I'm like seeing things that uh are like getting more detail that I didn't necessarily pick up before and all um like things with like Dobby and different stuff like that. And I'm just like, okay, this is, uh, I, I'm just enjoying going through them and actually like fully watching everything, uh, from start to finish without like interruptions or TV commercial breaks or whatever. So that's been, been cool to kind of go through. Well, that's, that's lovely to hear. I'm one of the biggest Harry Potter fans in the world. So that's, that's exciting. We could, we can do a deep dive when you're all finished. Sounds good. I haven't read a single page of a book, so that's okay. The movies, the movies stay true enough that you're fine. Okay, cool. So, mm. uh, but how about you, man? Flavor of the week. What do you got for me? So my flavor of the week, uh, it's it's tight. My I'm not a very flavorful guy. So my visual medium, me and Sarah finished uh, Why the Last Man. Um, so the 10 episode run on FX on Hulu was over. We really enjoyed it. There were a lot of elements that were like, we, we were like, what? And like, can you imagine? Like, no. Like so many, so many like really deep, human things going on some like kind of fucked up stuff some like oh uh, that doesn't to, look good yeah i might have to check it out i've been meaning to but i hadn't like pulled the trigger on it so maybe i'll do that it's cool and like removed from the source material removed from like you know this and that i think it was great i'd overall give it like a nine out of ten truly just for like my experience watching it not like comparing it to anything else because i'm not sure if there'll be i'm I'm not sure if there'll be more um it may get picked up on a different thing whatever it doesn't matter but the 10 episode run that it does have um i think was super strong and i i really enjoyed it um so yeah that was cool nice and then my food um 
Sarah made a steak dinner with potatoes, carrots, and buttered noodles. It's like one of one of her best meals. I've got that sitting right next to me. So that is going to be the flavor of day for sure. Um, and then my music, uh, my boy Amine, who dropped last year, it has a teaser track out. It's called Charmander. I think you should check it out. The directing is really dope. The song is catchy. Um, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting idea. Um, and once again, just a very, just a super cool visual art style. I think his taste is, uh, is really strong. And the individual at the end, um, who's like knocking on the door talking about like it smells like shit. That guy is so funny. He has skits in a bunch of like Amine's videos and songs. Um, so yeah, just like just really good stuff. I'm looking forward to Amine's record coming out. I think it's like 2.5. He called it or like nice. EPLP. It's, it, there's there's something about it, but it's coming out soon. Um, so yeah, man, that's that's my flavor of the week. Nice. And I've heard some of his stuff and I've enjoyed it, but I know that you're a like big fan. You enjoy it a lot. Heat. So yeah. Uh, so I'll I'll have to check that um, the song out, and then also like when the album drops, you'll have to let me know. So yeah, man, it's all good stuff. But uh, let us, um, Aaron, tell them, tell the listeners where they can find us, what to do. Awesome. So uh, we are all over the place for podcast platforms. We're on Anchor, Google, Spotify. Um, so you can check us out there. We're also on YouTube. So of course you can find us uh, with video and everything uh, here on YouTube as well. Um, and we're looking to, I'm going to start, con well, continue putting timestamps in. So if there are certain segments that you're really interested in, uh, you can kind of move around a little more fluidly, listen to, to what we're saying. And uh, if that will help uh people find a way to interact a little bit better and yeah, just like hit um, the topics you want to yeah. hear about yeah yeah feel free to uh to hit us up we are on twitter uh on that note so at tall and short of one the number one on twitter so we're uh trying to get in the conversation we'd love to hear some feedback and hear from y'all um but yeah you can check us out all those places uh and really happy to uh keep doing this for y'all yeah, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you for spending spending your valuable time with us. Um, I second everything that Aaron said. You know where to you know where to find us. And this has been another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast. Peace out, everyone. Later.